I'm having my one. Hello, listener, and welcome to the 26th installment of the I'm Having My One podcast. That's right, we've been making this podcast for a whole year now. But if this is your first time listening to us, we're going to be talking about board games. As always, I'm joined by my good friends and partners in crime, Tom. Hello. And Paul. Hello. And we're also delighted to be joined by our favourite interns and friends of the podcast, our old uni mates, Seb. Hello. And Reese. Hello, I'm having my one. Good to be back. <laughs> uh, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the game we've just played, which was Root. Uh, we'll talk about what else we've been up to since our last episode, check in on any crowdfunding news, our usual six of the best segment, and our main topic tonight, which is going to be about movie franchises in board games. So get ready to light the candle and turn off the big light as we sing ourselves our happy birthday tune. Ha! <laughs> So I'm very glad that uh, the chaps have all agreed to play what must be one of my favourite board games of all time. Root by Cole Worley, artwork by Carl Ferrin and published by Leader Games. Uh, I actually really liked the uh, the Board Game Geek overview of this, so I'll be reading that, but this is not my uh, my writing. So Root is a game of adventure and war in which two to four players, or one to six with expansions, battle for control of a vast wilderness. The nefarious Marquis de Cat has seized the great woodland, intent on harvesting its riches. Under her rule, the many creatures of the forest have banded together. This alliance will seek to strengthen its resources and subvert the rule of the cats. In this effort, the alliance may enlist the help of the wandering vagabonds who are able to move through the more dangerous woodland paths. Though some may sympathise with the Alliance's hopes and dreams, these wanderers are old enough to remember the great birds of prey who once controlled the woods. Meanwhile, at the edge of the region, the proud, squabbling Eerie have formed a new commander who they hope will lead their faction to resume their ancient birthright. The stage is set for a contest that will decide the fate of the Great Woodland, and it's up to the players to decide which group will ultimately take root. This is a proper asymmetric war game with a kind of cutesy facade uh, where all the factions play completely differently uh, and have multiple different victory point scoring conditions. The first team to reach 30 points will emerge victorious, uh, but this isn't a game where you can charge off to an early lead as you'll likely be brought down and decimated. Uh, so it's important to build your strength and wait for the opportune moment to enact your master plan. Uh, as mentioned in the intro, the base game supports two to four players, but there are multiple expansions now, uh, adding, uh, adding extra factions to the map. So how do we rate this game? Let's start off with our guests. Seb, let's come to you first. What do you think? I love it. It's great. There's loads of things I like about board games. There's loads of interaction, um, lots of strategy and tactics. Lots. It's just fun. Um, unless Let's cut to the chase. There's lots shafted. of running around and punching each other, which is right up your alley. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Until you get shafted by Neil. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, that's just a, a feature of games that I play with you. So. Uh, I quite I, I, lo I love playing it. Great game. I would, I'd be always always up for playing that game. And Reese, what did you think? Really good, actually. It's it's a game that's kind of growing on me more as I play it. I mean, I've I've only played it maybe five times now, um, and my initial thoughts were I didn't I didn't like the fact that kind of one person could run away with it so quickly. But interestingly, like what you're saying there, Neil you've got to bide your time and i think maybe more experienced players who have played it 
a number of times, which maybe I haven't played with in the past. We were a bit newer to 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 root. You'd have one person who's just gunning for it all the time, and then you know they 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 just ran away with it, or they got trampled, and someone else ran away with it in the process. So I felt maybe there was a little less of that in the game we just played because we're a bit better at playing it, perhaps. I really enjoyed it. It was good. What are the things that you kind of? What are the things that you like most about it? Um, I think the asymmetry of the game makes it incredibly interesting. Um, you know, tracking, trying to track what other people are doing and trying to work out where their strengths lie. Um, you know, like I could tell from 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 your faction, Neil, which were were they the the, the so the the moles are the creature, but they're called the underground duchy. But yeah, that's it, the underground duchy. Um, so you had a kind of engine building thing, right? That if if somebody, but if somebody knocks part of that engine out, it really knocks you back in your your kind of progress. And I guess I had this, a similar kind of faction in that you build it up to a certain point because I was playing the Woodland Alliance. Um, and as long as you're getting enough sympathy out, then you can kind of get the higher scoring sympathy points out. So it's kind of an engine building in that kind of way. Um, but yeah, so I, I think the different having the different factions working in different ways, you know, the cats uh, being a more traditional kind of play style, the uh, the eerie dynasty having that that kind of more programming based where you just kind of run through the same program. I think that's great. And I and I really enjoy a, a game with a lot of conflict and a lot of chaos in it as well. I think it's good fun. And it's a short game as well. So it's one of those games where you just for me certainly, like half of the juice of this is just tinkering with the factions, learning how they work, kind of multiple playthroughs with the same faction, trying to kind of work out the best or the most enjoyable way of playing them, who's going to react with who. And, you know, no two playthroughs are ever the same. I think the Woodland Alliance are one of those. You know, you're kind of always going to be chipping away with them. You know, it's always going to be like spread sympathy if you can build a base. But even if not, you know, you know that the Woodland Alliance are going to score two or three VPs every single turn just from getting a couple of, you know, one card sympathies mm. out whereas you know teams like the cats or, or or the vagabond is always a complete wild card you know are they going to go for an alliance win are they going to go for an alliance win and stab the other person in the back at the last minute are they going to go for just getting their vps from quests are they going to go for being friends with everyone and getting loads of vps that way so paul you played the uh the vagabond this evening tell us how it went badly <laughs> um, didn't go too badly <laughs> so i got about halfway and then kind of stopped um I kind of lost track of really what I was trying to trying to achieve. I was trying to do too many of the things, and I think I should have focused on one. I think that's a perennial problem with the vagabond. You just it's so easy to get distracted by doing different things. Yeah, and then Tom attacked me, and so rather than carrying on with my tactics, uh, I viciously attacked him back. It's because at that point, for, for no... because at that point you're in in the in the lead, right? So it, this is always the thing about route is you've got to be. Um, trying to to keep some some even balance uh, across the, the factions but you took it personally i did <laughs> attacked you straight back which which was the wrong choice and i apologize wholeheartedly that's all right don't worry <laughs> we all enjoyed it paul so you know <laughs> all all of those are finished at the top of the half of the board all the here. spectators enjoyed it <laughs> the, the innocent bystanders and yeah. so, Tom, you were playing as the Eerie Dynasty. How did uh, how did you find it this evening? I do really like the, the birds. I know you've complained in the past, Paul, about maybe just always playing playing as them, but I I do find them an interesting faction because they do tap into 
something I love in board games, board games in the way in which you you do program it out. In fact, I'm going to do this. That allows me to, you know, your thinking turns ahead to be able to achieve something. I think it was certainly a more chaotic board um, this time, and playing with five players, which I think it's only maybe the second time we've done that, did My add first time. a additional yeah additional level of chaos in there which made it a little bit more difficult to plan out what it's going to do it was very long you know that was one thing it, was, it took us a very long time to play with that that many players partly i think because we, we haven't played this for for some months um at least it was it was a very very long game and yes agree on the on the chaos element like what you were saying paul about the the little um head-to-head that we had is that it it is a bit of a we talked about it before, so I'm not going to repeat myself too much. But it is a little bit of a problem that is within the game that we've spoken about, mostly in reference to other games, I think, that if you do get um, beaten up in the game and something goes wrong, and for the for the Eerie, it's a sort of weird faction, isn't it? Because you uh, they are the only faction who can actually go backwards on the scoreboard. And so if you are attacked and your faction goes into what's called turmoil, where you can't complete your programmed out actions uh you then start to go backwards no that's not it's not to say you can't recover from that um but it, it is difficult i think to well so i found let me talk about my own experience in this game i found it difficult in this game to then catch up again which is a bit problematic i think i think they're one of those factions that if you get pegged back too early i think i think it, it, it's very difficult to gain any sort of moment. I don't know that I did though. I don't think it was necessarily that it was no. too early. It was it was just at that I mean I, I had been unlucky. One of the things that you're doing with this, right, is to say you're programming it out and you're praying to get the blue wild cards that you can play anywhere. Because otherwise you're you're constraining yourself to having the right factions to be able to do stuff. I'd also misunderstood a, a rule from again not playing it for a while. When it's turmoil turmoil twice in like three four turns or something like that which which didn't help um but not having the bird cards those blue bird cards that allow you to play whatever sort of action you want a set of actions that you can do unrestrained was was quite limiting again you, you can you know i think a skillful bird player uh bird faction player eerie faction can can get around that I'm just not a skillful area faction. Well, Tom, if if you want to practice having a go, because you were saying you like that planning in advance and and playing games like that, can I recommend Robo Rally to you? Because it's got a really good, stupid game. Um, I think I think personal preference, if because there's like there's like a a stem picker, right? Like a, a recommended. They call it a reach system where you kind of work out which factions should be included in the game based on the number of players. And I think with five, you can almost play with any combo you want. But if I had been the last to pick, or, or basically, I, th- I think the birds are probably the faction that I would drop from the core set the quickest because they can be fun. But I think they're also the yeah. faction that can suffer the most from things that are kind of outside the player's control, like you say, not getting dealt any birds. Well, it's right. And also, I think just being the only faction, as far as I'm aware, anywhere. Anyway, that can be knocked back on the scoreboard. That unless you've maybe taken a very big early lead, can be quite difficult to get around. I don't know. It, it, I don't know that the the points that you can accumulate, which are quite good, necessarily counteracts that. I think um, I haven't given this much thought up until this moment, but I wonder if the Woodland Alliance need a peg back mechanic because once they get going, they're unstoppable. They are. Yeah, they're easy mode, aren't they? Recently? They are easy mode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite foreshadowing there, Tom. 
but it's uh, uh yeah it's a great true. faction i love i love being the woodland alliance i wonder if maybe as bases get destroyed kind of like kind of like turmoil there should be a bit of a victory point loss as well that would maybe we'll see yeah seems seems unfair that they they have that victory point loss when a similar thing happens to the woodland alliance where they have a base taken out you just lose half your officers and a couple of cards and that's it whereas you're losing victory points that you've worked quite hard to get right um but but then again but then again the more roosts you have correct me if i'm wrong the more roosts you have the more right. victory points you earn so you every can get turn. the points very quickly Absolutely. so you can Absolutely. you know if you're if, if you're up there you, you can get them quite quickly and and it's again i'm not i'm not completely okay with the rules but um when you're programming it you can either play one bird card or or two non-bird cards is that right you can play up to two cards one of which can be a bird ah one of which can be a bird yeah. okay so so you could you could in theory just only play birds if you're lucky enough to get a a hand <laughs> yeah and the the balance of that is that when you enter turmoil you go back a number of victory uh, back a number of victory points according to the number of bird cards in your engine okay yes. wow okay you yeah, are right Reese. The, the point like of of how you can if you are set up well and you have taken a, a decent early lead then the number of areas that they sorry roosts that you have out um you can start to just run away with it because you're scoring every single turn. It's not mm. like other factions where it's based on building something or doing something. It's as long as you have those roosts out, you'll every turn score three, four, five points, whatever it is, as long as you manage to prevent them from being destroyed. And when yeah. they so I guess they... that's that's the counteract, right? Is that the reason why they have this way to peg them back is that in theory they could absolutely run away with it. And that's why they're hampered on crafting, right? They've got what they call disdain for trade, where you can't get more than one victory point for crafting items. But then they're another, they're a great, they're a great faction for crafting because the roosts are their crafting piece. So all it takes is to get a few of those out, and all of a sudden they can really build up on, you know, the sort of the named um the named uh, crafting cards, you know, your command warrens, your better burrow banks, and all that kind of stuff. You 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 know your sappers to cancel hits they're they're really powerful in that respect they're a fun faction so i don't think i definitely don't think it should be taken out i mean all of them are fun in a different way and that's the nice thing about that kind of asymmetry between the between the different factions so um yeah sorry my final thoughts on that now <laughs> you're uh that's all right so I, I played as the underground duchy as the moles and I, that's probably the third or fourth time i played as them and i think they're an absolute hoot to play they're so much fun with the whole kind of the borrow mechanic and the the thing about playing those those leaders into into the game um and then kind of building your actions so you start off only having two actions but then by playing your leaders and your lords and your dukes and stuff you can um you can build those up um i think i think everyone would probably agree the the best part of the game was when you landed your little tunnel next to seb's keep um <laughs> you know so <laughs> you know from from a point of watching uh another another player play it was really entertaining you could almost yeah we didn't have any cameras on but you could almost see like the palpable like <laughs> yeah yeah definitely definitely seb how did that make you feel <laughs> uh i'm used to it now with you, Neil. <laughs> you started it <laughs> yeah i mean i to be honest i left the back door wide open for you to go through there and i feel like that was a mistake that was the catalyst for reese's victory which occurred however many turns later because the boot that i had very firmly on his neck was just utterly released at that point and yeah. he was just able to build bases and spread sympathy wherever 
Nelly liked because I was no longer able to put him down where he belongs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I think the cats are quite fun. Um, they're they're quite a simple play, but they are quite complicated to win with. I think, uh, mm-hmm. which is which I think is an interesting balance for them. I'd messed up, uh, and that's why I stalled halfway through. But I was still enjoying it up to that point. But I knew that once <laughs> you'd gone in and just raided my home base, I was like, "Yeah, I'm screwed now." But <laughs> just, you were, but, but you know, the the, the dice <laughs> was pretty lucky there because I didn't get your keep, and then you were able to keep your field hospital. Yeah, it's true. You yeah. really kind of made the most of that throughout the rest of the game. So yeah, I was. I just wasn't able to score victory points at that point, um, and I just kind of stopped in my victory point pursuit. I was had loads of troops on the board, but couldn't do anything effective with them from that point. Um, so I just decided that I'm just going to attack you. From that point. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So we've kind of we've kind of compared roots uh, to having roots. No pun intended. Um, in in kind of in in some of the coin games that we've played. So Tom Paul, how do we feel that being as a statement? I mean, I feel like you could very very easily redress this as you know as as, as any kind of great conflict instead of it being cutesy little animals. And 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 I think it would kind of have traction as a really really good asymmetrical war game. Yes, I think there's some clear links to those um, coin series of games, no doubt about that the i think there's they've looked to simplify them to a certain extent anyway um i think it's an interesting point is that i think they have simplified in in certain ways and maybe that's just partly because it's taken out of a a deep historical theme and they've just put it into the cutesy wood war of cats versus birds and so on but on the other hand i actually wonder whether the rules are more like for the individual factions, whether these are more complicated than your average coin game. And maybe that's not the route you wanted to go down, the route you wanted to go. No, down. no, that's fine. The, the, the direction you want to go with that. But it's, uh, I think that learning something, particularly on this, maybe like Cuba Libre that we have done, I think maybe, maybe is simpler. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. It's simpler, but it's richer, isn't it? It's, you know, because because they aim for, obviously it, it ran a little long today because it'd been a while since we've all played and we were on TTS. You know, when you're familiar with the game, it's fresh in your memory and you're playing at the table. You can normally bosh these out in an hour, hour and a half. Um, so it's never going to have the depth that, that a coin game is going to have, right? Like, and, but, but yes. one thing that I... I think, I, I think that's what I mean, is that it's lighter in that sense, but yeah. Um, any negatives? So... Uh, I'm going to lead with one of the ones that uh, it can often get a bit kingmakery, right? There's often two people, or, or at least two people, kind of up in front. And if if you get a chance to stop one succeeding, the second then often tap dances over the finish line, or the, the next person to act gets to tap dance over the finish line. And I feel like if we'd you know done something you know decimating to Reese then I think there was a, a better chance of me just being able to kind of walk it in for, for 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 the second place win. I think, yeah, whenever there's been that situation of games that we've played where there's been two people near the top, I mean, sometimes it doesn't happen, right? You just have one person who just shoots ahead and that's it. But um, so you know, I would say in the majority of the games we've played a route, there's a couple of people who are vying for it and in the last few turns of way of doing that. And I felt a little bit, it was a negative that I wrote down myself here is the king-making that I don't think it's slightly self-aggrandizing that I had the power left at the end of that game to do that. But I did have the option of who I was going to attack, whether it was you, Neil, or Reese, And I went with you as you were currently ahead at that time. Um, who knows whether it would have made any difference to Reese if I'd taken out one of his sympathy tokens. I don't know, but 
I wonder if destroying sympathy is, is the wrong way to go for the Woodland Alliance because they can just then get it back so cheap for one victory point at a go. Maybe it's better to just leave them and say, right, well, if you want it, you've got to... You've got to I, I don't know that it is, though, long, because later in the game, generally, later in the game, there's a lot of pieces on the board and it's very expensive to have to put two cards in every time than that martial yeah. law rule, right? It's, normally, it's just one card um, to, to play... It sort of depends, actually, doesn't it? Because it depends on the level of sympathy you're doing. But the base, uh, your, your first couple of sympathy that, tokens that you place on the board is one card. But if a single faction has to three or more units in that uh, clearing that you're trying to play that into, you have to play another one. And then so at two, that's three cards. And three at four, that's a very expensive mm -hmm. way of doing that. So I guess it slightly depends on the, the, the game state. Yeah, I was really lucky at the end of that game in that you'd taken a bit of a hammering tom and seb had taken a bit of a hammering which kind of cleared some of the clearings one of a better word um which meant that i could put the sympathy in there cheaply without having to pay you know too many cards um so yeah it was it was a timing thing you're right you're absolutely right though you know tom you could have attacked me instead of attacking neil and you know that probably would have meant that i wouldn't have got that extra sympathy token out and then Neil would have yeah, would have taken it. I feel like this game was quite like till till well over the halfway point. We were all kind of similar peggings. We were all quite closely mm -hmm. matched together in 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 points. You know, Neil very tactfully held back on his points, um, and then was way behind, and then just kind of all of a sudden blasted past everyone. Um, but but otherwise, I think it was a I think it was a really kind of close knit game up until the last kind of two two turns, three turns, and then it and then it kind of tailed off. Paul, have you have you got any negatives that you wanted to uh, to bring up? No, I, I just think that thing of if you're behind, sometimes it's almost impossible to to catch up, and then it's a difficult position, right? Because you don't want to through your actions give someone else the game or take it away or. All right, it, so... it is a game of cut and thrust, isn't it? So you, <laughs> if if you you have to you have to mess other people up to go for the win, like, and, and not everyone can be in the running once those moves start are made. So if you are that person who gets to make that move first, it's awesome. Part, if, you, time, if you get time... cut down, it's not. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I, I think time and time again, it's also one of those ones. If you don't stop the wooden alliance early, they can they can build a bit of momentum. But you know, there's no way that I'm going to attack my buddy Reese, right? Right, <laughs> bond is strong. Bonds of trust, right there, Neil. Exactly. <laughs> uh, one day I will exact my revenge. Um, all right, let's go with the order that you're on my screen. That's starting off with you, Paul. Scores on the doors. I think it's a difficult one for me because I love the asymmetry, but you know, you compared it to the coin games. I'd much rather play play a coin game over root not to say i'm not happy to play root but i think overall for me i'm probably going to give it a 7.4 okay weirdly specific what is it getting underneath there to be 7.4 on 7.5 uh well just because um we tend to grade things either as whole numbers or 0.5s and then in the uh breakdown for the average scores we get a lot of very similar scores Okay, variety. It's scored with variety in right. Variety Jones over here. All right. So I, I scored Clank 7.5. Oh, this knocks the socks off of Clank. Oh, I don't know. I'm being biased. I'm being biased. You, you, you're you a young independent woman. You can go with whatever you want, but... 
I scored Stone Age 7.5 as well, and I think I would rather play either of those games. And if I was going to play something slightly asymmetric, I'd rather play a coin game. Fair enough. Reese, you're up next on my screen. I would give it a... So, yeah, I think it would have been a 7.5. Maybe it's because Seb lost so badly. I'm giving it an 8. I mean, there was a lot of enjoyment, as I said, seeing your tunnel pop up right next to his backdoor keep and then just bashing that in uh i really enjoyed that it was good so yeah i'm, I'm definitely definitely giving it an eight uh based off the last game that we had seb what's your final verdict if i were to lock you in for a score uh, i'm an 8.5 i absolutely love winning this game but yeah losing it's 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 a really disappointing thing. Like you can play other games where like you still, you've, you've thought you've been with a chance right to the end. Cause you don't know anyone scores, but this one, when I know when I'm ahead and I'm winning, I'm, I'm loving it. And I'm loving Lord. Everyone. It's great. <laughs> I still enjoyed the game. Just, just not this one as much. Yeah. <laughs> Cause of a, a shafting, but yeah. there we are. Uh, Tom scores on the doors. My opinions haven't changed on this a lot. Uh, of what we said in, in, the, the last year's worth of podcasts of this. Um, this was once the greatest game I've ever played when I first played it. The asymmetry of it, the setting, the art, absolutely wonderful. And I've I played it now 35 times I've seen, including playing it on, on the app as well. Um, you can feel the, the the butt coming very fast to this, this <laughs> sentence, right? Is it Seb's uh, butt or does it have a very big hole in it? <laughs> Instead, I'll say, however, I think that in the time since we first encountered this game, and Neil, you introduced us to it three years ago, I just played so many more games that I think move beyond route and I think tackle some of the problems that we've talked about. Um, I think I'm in a very different place with it now. Um, I'm going to, again, like have to bring it back to the coin games as one of those that I've experienced most recently that I think, does very very good job of that, and I, I like Paul. I think would always prefer to play one of those over yeah. this. So I think if I go back where I was, this is an eight, nine out of ten sort of game. I think now I'm afraid it's a like a six point five out of ten kind of game. I've changed quite radically on it. I just don't think this game is as fun as I did three years ago. Okay, is that because you lost so badly? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is, it's it's a good point, right? Is that is that I think, and this is one that 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 you said as well, is that I think when you're winning, you're having a great time with this game, and if you're not, you're kind of just waiting, as we've already said, for someone else to win. And I speak as someone like we look at the podcast scores. I very rarely win. I won the first one we ever played and then retired. It would seem because I don't think I've won barely anything since on there. So I don't win very often. But this game, when you're not winning, I'd actually go as far as to say it gets to the point where it's a bit boring because you aren't really doing anything and it's difficult to be able to have much impact on the game. And I think that, if I'm describing a game like that, I have to give it what is below what I would consider a good score mm. of a seven. Um, for, for what it's worth, Tom, since we started playing um, and recording this podcast, you've won three times, um, which is... One, Out of 26, it's not Which good. is, well, it's one less than Reese. Um, <laughs> he's only he's only he's played only four played times four, four games <laughs> yeah. so 
yeah okay so they're they're all they're all good points for me i'm still just captivated by the magic of root i would play this far more frequently if i could um the only thing that i would agree to disagree with your guys scorings is that i for one would rather play this over a a coin game um but but yeah so 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 i sit in a very different gaming compartment to a coin game which you know if we're playing fire in the lake or something you need sort of a good three to five hours right absolutely yeah um so for what it is uh i love the faction asymmetry i love the artwork i love i love everything about it it is one of very few 10 out of 10s for me um and uh it's gonna stay it sounds like it's gonna be me and Seb playing this two player until the death <laughs> excellent Okay, that was Root. On with the next bit. And thank you very much, interns, for joining us. You may uh, you can resume your new- normal duties. Here's some photocopying. Aye, aye. Anyone for a coffee? All righty, so that was Root. Uh, up next, uh, what have we been up to since our last recording? Paul, what have you been playing? The game I want to talk about this time is actually an app. It's not currently a board game, but I think is in the hope of becoming a board game at some point in the future. And this is Constantinople by Steve Ashing, who uh, is trying to self-publish it. It's a solitaire war game playing through the Byzantine Empire. So you are managing your resources, which are kind of like your walls and your armies and things, whilst trying to fight back the people trying to storm your walls. It's frustratingly brilliant. Um, So you can pick it up on the App Store for, I think, about £2.50. It's brilliant because the way you're doing it is via dice rolls to either push back the invading armies um, or to improve your situation. And each round you're playing a card which will advance the armies and give you either benefits or negative effects. And... What's a, a nice little touch is we always talk about flavor text and things like that. So every event that happens, there's then a little bit of flavor text that explains historically what was going on at the time. So it's very interesting. Uh, I'm strangely addicted to it. I can't stop playing it at the moment. So uh, the board game I've been playing this week isn't a board game, but is an app. But hopefully at some point it'll be a board game and that's Constantinople. It should be worth noting that that uh, that Steve is a friend of the podcast, um, has a uh, a very very enviable uh, selection of board games, and I know that he bloody loves a historical war game. So it's good to see an incredible that. collection of those. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, really really uh, look forward to giving this more of a go. Excellent. Yeah. Good, Tom. Have you played anything fun this week? I've had no fun. <laughs> You've had all the fun <laughs> this week. All all the fun. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things that um, I'll mention then. So we did have a, a game of Quacks, which was really good um, to to get that to the table again. There's not a lot more to, to say on that particularly at the moment, but um, it was great to do that. But also had a uh, first proper play, really, of Star Wars, the Clone Wars Pandemic system, uh, which is that Star Wars version of Pandemic. And what we're doing here is you're kind of set in the uh, Clone Wars era. So think very much that TV show and uh, and the second episode movie. And you are 
instead of the traditional pandemic system of you know little disease cubes going around the place it's it's the the droid armies that are taking over the galaxy and then you play as one of um several jedi lovely little minis that you've got in there and you are trying to protect the galaxy from that and also complete um missions to ultimately uh to win the game so it's slightly different sort of way of approaching pandemic but you've still got a lot of the core mechanics there the way in which you instead of infecting you've got the invading planets um systems there it is fairly easy to understand much like pandemic it is quick as well it hasn't lost that element you you really can play that in, in quite a short space of time um, and I think there are a lot of nice adjustments that have made to fit the theme. So another thing that in regular pandemic, you have these uh, these outbreaks where you're trying to infect a city which is already, you know, overwhelmed with infection. It just sort of bounces out to the adjacent cities. Um, and instead of that, you you just sort of kind of doesn't doesn't make sense, I guess, with the theme that if you were doing that in, in Star Wars. So instead of that, it just becomes a more beefed up protected planet that you get a, a kind of little extra defense um, for the droids on that. So lots of nice little things have done there. I, original Pandemic, I absolutely loved. I remember getting that as a game that I thought that my wife Jen and I could play and she loved it and we had such good times with it but just kind of lost any kind of interest in playing at all during the recent COVID pandemic. But then just, it was just too soon. It's too soon. But thinking about how much I enjoyed that, I've been desperately seeking another variant. And I've toyed so many times with going down the legacy route, um, but I tried the Rome version now, this one, and not re- it's not really captured that, or recaptured, let's say, that early love of Pandemic for some reason. I'm not not completely clear why. I quite enjoyed the Rome, Fall of Rome version of it, but I just couldn't really get anybody. I tried it a number of times. I couldn't get anyone really engaged with that. I think I'm maybe just going through a phase where I don't, I don't get as much out of a cop game like that as I used to, uh, which is a shame because I think there's a lot to be said that, that can be really, really great about a co-op game. Uh, maybe it would be good to go back to pandemic. You know, we're through through the COVID uh, era really now, are we? I think, and so maybe going back to to regular pandemic now and see whether that's there's still some of the old the old love is there. I don't know. But anyway, Star Wars: The Clone Wars does a very adequate job of capturing the theme um, of Star Wars and you know it providing a, a fun experience, but it's sort of a seven out of ten game absolute best probably six out of ten really i felt i I personally felt like it was a little bit too easy this there feels like something wasn't quite right in that and it was the only thing that 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 i didn't get is that obviously in original pandemic when you spend the cards to cure the disease you spend them and Mm. they're gone whereas when you spend the cards to do the mission you just you just exhaust them from your hand and get them back again. I just kind of felt that mm-hmm. as soon as we as a as a as a table had um like a a kind of a synergy of cards, like I've got you know loads of these and you've got loads of these, then it was a bit routine. Now we did nearly bungle it with uh with because we just completely ignored the expansion of the droids and the the kind of the yeah. so you know, think the the outbreaks that kind of popped off a couple of times. And I guess in the end, actually, we did nearly lose to that. But other than that, it didn't feel like much of a threat. I don't think so. Do you enjoy it as like a, a kind of, I'd say, so six, seven out of ten sort of game? Or is it a 
is it something you think there's more and you know on difficulty you can make that more difficult um if you wanted to through you know just adding and adding more missions in there i think there are different um different values it's something i missed actually is that there are some there is some good variety it doesn't sort of feel like the same game every single time you play it because you can fight against different villains of the of the of the tv series um you know grievous and uh ventress and so on and so forth that add different ways of playing and more difficulty as well but um anyway yes yeah, sorry back to the question is it kind of a yeah enjoy it i'd play it if it was brought to the table but i mean i'm not not desperately keen on it no no i'd say it's more than that i'd say i'd quite happily play that again like you say it'd be fun to, to play a couple of the different villains um as with anything and 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 not that i don't i don't think we particularly i don't think we suffer from this well, certainly, certainly wasn't evident in the last game, but Pandemic is one of those games where it can become a bit quarterbacky. Um, yeah, you do need the freedom to be able to do your own thing, but but yeah, I I enjoyed that, and I do you know what I could see myself soloing that as well. So I, the first game I played to to learn it, I soloed it, and it was a very good experience. But there's a cult cult games for the most part are always going to be good for doing a solitaire. Yeah, absolutely. And and vice versa, solo games um, are very very good to play co-op. And 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 if a lot of the co-op games can be played solo, vice versa, a lot of the solo games can be played co-op. So I've played uh, Final Girl with uh, respectively with Dave and Ali um, as just a kind of a co-op experience. They both loved it. So yeah, yeah, good. All right, so that was what we've been playing. A good uh, good couple of weeks of gaming. I'm also just going to give an honourable mention. I haven't really played many games other than the ones mentioned with Tom, uh, but I did cave and buy Shatterpoint. Um, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. I was already I'm very excited to want to paint the minis. I've heard, <laughs> I've heard some improved feedback on the game. I think it looks fun, but even if nothing else, I've spent quite a few hours already i kind of wish i'd started logging the hours from the beginning because just assembling it all i reckon took the best part of six hours by the time you find that as a kind of relaxing like almost meditative type thing you know building something like that was just frustrating it is but being a little bit of a of a miniatures perfectionist it then just sometimes turns into a bit of a chore cleaning mold lines and making sure that everything's clipped and trimmed and, and all looking good, especially the, the droids. The droids are just, I mean, they're, they're fine. I've had worse, but they're not fun to put together. Um, but yeah, I've started painting some of those now. If anyone wants to follow along with the progress, uh, I'm sure we'll be putting up some photos on uh, Instagram over the, uh, over the coming weeks. Um, but yeah, yeah really, really enjoyed finally getting paint on a brush again. I haven't done that in so, so, so long. So that's been my other highlight. Cool. All right. Onwards and upwards. All righty. Burba, burba, bonus competition time. Tom, we've got a little competition up our sleeves for our first birthday. Tell us all about we it. We do. We do. So we said at the beginning of the podcast, about a year ago, we started recording the conversations uh, we'd have after playing a board game together and turn into this podcast. 26 episodes later, we're still here and still chatting about it. We've had some fantastic experiences over those last 12 months and played some great games. And through the podcast, we've also met some fantastic people and had some unbelievably kind feedback. But here we are, year on. We just want to say thank you uh, 
to to everyone who's listened and supported by running a small competition. So for you, our listeners, you can win a small but very respectable set of goodies from us, including one of our favourite games. So it's going to be a choice for you of one of our favourite games, either Village Rails from Osprey Games or a Fantastic Party Game Just One. All you need to do is message us the word nice via social media or our Discord server by the end of next month, uh, July 2023, and then we'll pick a winner at random and get in touch to send you your prize. So thanks again for listening all of this last year, and thanks for all your feedback and nice comments um, over that time. Uh, And good luck. Exciting. All righty, excellent. So... I know we don't always talk about crowdfunding uh, on each of our sessions, but I know that someone here has been a very lucky boy and has received a Kickstarter this week. Tom, care to tell the listener what goodies you may have received? So some people say that good things come in small packages. This did not come in a small package. It was absolutely enormous. I was really lucky. I say really lucky. I spent the money to receive... uh, in in the last couple of weeks, my fantastic, fabulous Geek and Son board game table uh, is something that I backed one of their Kickstarters last year. Um, and it's just so good. It's the, the word glorious is, is the one that I've used the most about it. It's just, I was so excited when it arrived. I've been waited for such a long time for it, more or less a year for them to complete the it was on game found actually but complete the campaign produce it and get it shipped and everything it's quite a long time uh in some respects but nowhere near as long as people wait for for things on on crowdfunding quite often um but it's just so nicely produced and one of the things that um i was quite uh intrigued by at the uk games expo that we went to at the beginning of the month was that there were loads of people there demoing their own tables and there were various degrees of quality and, and cost and it just got me so excited about receiving receiving mine. So now it's here. We've played a few games on it. I've got one that allows you to um, uh, you, the leaves kind of sit on the top, magnetized in the corners. So you've got the kind of the vault in between, which is one of the main reasons why I wanted to get it is that there are so many games on my game shelf that I just don't really ever get the chance to to play because, you know, just I don't have the biggest house. There's not the opportunity to have a, a wonderful games room with games set up all the time. right? And so that that opportunity to have a game out, play a couple of uh, turns of it or whatever, and then be able to just put the leaves uh, back on the top and it becomes just a normal dining room table. And then return to the game again uh, a few days later or whatever. So uh, I can't wait. I have to admit, I haven't done that yet. <laughs> but that, but that is the intention: is to be able to to do that. And, and you know, you got a game under there. It's still at the top of the the table. It's a nice big table to be able to play any games on on the top as well. So it's not that if you're playing something there, that means you can't play anything else. Of course, you can play it on the on the top. So yeah, it's fantastic. I don't want to crow about it too much because it was a real a real extravagance, but it it's um it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, like you say, it's um it's not like it's you know a forty fifty or even sort of a hundred pound board game you're waiting for. You know, it was it was. A few quid more than that, so it is a lot to, to 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 lay out, and then to have to wait for over a year. But I was, I mean, I was so buzzed for you in the run up, right? Like, 
I think I was even messaging you some mornings being like two more sleeps to go or whatever. And and, and then we got to play yeah. on it the yeah. other day and it was great. So yeah, really, really happy for you. Um, have you got anything else outstanding that is getting close to fulfillment? No, not close. I have things that are outstanding. Um, there are three. I oh, know I do have one actually. There's a, a game, uh, just a small sort of 20 pound game. I back just um, bumped into it sort of not long before it finished. Which is called the Hunt, so it's uh, a a Second World War um, game where you are uh, playing to to hunt for the I think it's the, called the is it the Graf Spey Spey, um, which was a a German ship uh, at the very early bit of the war that was sunk in somewhere near South America. And so it's a game that you're playing. One side is the, the Germans kind of sailing around. It's a bit of a cat and mouse type thing that the Germans are trying to sink the, the various convoys and the British superior sea power, then trying to find that. And so it's card play and even there's a little board and stuff. So I've got that one, which should be, uh, I think it's printing right now. Uh, and then I've got a couple of big ones I just wait for, which is Rome um, Total War, which is meant to be out in the first quarter of next year. Um, there's a game called um, Ice and Snow, which is uh, about the Northwest Passage. Um uh, sort of Franklin's expedition, all that kind of stuff, uh, which I think hopefully is coming sort of second half of this year. So I think maybe the autumn. Um, and then finally, I've got the very, very, very long waited. I don't know if this ever going to deliver this one. Um, the, the video game Stellaris, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. They created a board game version of that, which is going to be this, I think, hopefully very exciting 4X uh, space game that might be delivered before I die. I don't know. What makes you say that it's be? Is it just being delayed horribly? Horribly, horribly, horribly. It was meant to be delivered in in Easter twenty twenty two. Okay, good. All right. So trying so, to yeah. contend with Every Darwin's year, journey right. for uh, for for oh, yeah. And we also getting updates. It's Academy Games. Um, could happen, but I'm not. You know, it's got to the stage now where I'm just almost resigned to losing the money. <laughs> All right, excellent. Good. And on that cheery note, Paul, has anything caught your eye on the uh, on the various crowdfunding platforms at the minute? Yeah, I too have, uh, like Tom, splashed out on uh, a kickstarting backer and uh, I've backed Waypoints. So it's from uh, Postmark Games and designed by Matthew Dunstan and Rory Muldoon. It will have just finished uh, on Kickstarter by the time this podcast comes out. But we talked... Um, a couple of episodes ago about voyages and aquamarine and this is their third game in the sort of print and play role and write that they're doing where you're exploring what very much feels like you know a big american national park again really simple roll a dice draw a line on a bit of paper score some victory points at the end i've really enjoyed their games um and again this one was a, a four pound job so yeah i've backed that and uh Looking forward to to giving it a game. Excellent. And is that what's the sort of lead time on that? Because it's just a digital download, right? Yeah, uh, I couldn't actually tell you. The top. I'm going to do a talk and have some hold music while I. Um. So the campaign ends in about four days and. Um, they you should have an email with the game. They they're doing three maps through this, and the first two maps should be 
will be sent to you with within uh, a few days of the campaign completing, which Very I nice. guess is a nice thing about print and play that you know you mm. can back it; it's kind of there and ready to go. Yeah, for sure. That's great. And have you got anything else that you're waiting receipt of? No, nothing else. Excellent. You're all up to date. Good. Well, for me, I'm trying desperately not to look at crowdfunding platforms because it always ends up in me backing something. Uh, and today is probably not going to be any different. Um, although special mention goes out to crossbows and catapults. None of you are going to back that? Being tempted. No, I but... would. I would. I would. <laughs> and I bet there's not enough elastic bands that come with it either. I um, think it's elastic band free, isn't it, this one? I think it is elastic band free. I think they. this what? is one of the funny things about it. There's two, two things about this is that I've spoken to a number of people about this game we have collectively on Discord and so on. And everyone has the same memory of having this, that those flipping elastic buttons would just snap and then you'd be stuck <laughs> with a like a blister that you basically couldn't do anything with. Um, and um, the, the, what's really great is that clearly the people who are bringing this game back had exactly the same experience when they were kids. Um, and so they've made it fantastically elastic band free oh i don't like it i want my elastic bands back you can put some elastic bands back. <laughs> do you not remember because then you had like the, the little catapult thing and then if you didn't have any of the small elastic bands left you used to get the really thick one and double it up but then you had like a then, <laughs> then you had like a little catapult that would genuinely take someone's eye out if you uh if you hit it hard enough punch through the uh the outside wall yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. That original from uh I don't know, must have been late eighties or early nineties. Gosh, that that if you get a hold of a copy of that, it's worth a fortune. I think they go for a good I'm two, going to eBay two right fifty now. on eBay, right. You you can't um you can't go around nowadays chasing the postman for any dropped elastic bands. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, if anyone is interested in uh, crossbows and catapults, that's got a couple of weeks to go still. Uh it's raised over half a million dollars. Um, so that's going quite well. Um, there's quite a lot going on over on GameFound at the moment. Um, and the one that's worrying me is I'm seeing a huge amount of hype over a game called Stalker by Awakened Realms. Have you guys seen this? So this, yeah, is, the guy, this is the guys who brought us Nemesis. Uh, this funded in three minutes. Um, it's a one to four player co-op set in the Stalker world, which is like post-apocalyptic Chernobyl. Um, so it's a region explorer, but it also features a story mode, which has been written and designed by Michael Orax. Um, and he's the author of This War of Mine. Um, oh, God. Well, yeah, it is. But it seems like it's, you know, it's I, I, I've, I've got a very, 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 very fond place in my heart for This War of Mine. I really, really enjoy the exploration and the story mechanic put together. It got a bit dark being on a war-torn theme, but if it's now, you know, a fictional uh, universe of, of sort of nuclear post-apocalypse, then um, we'll see right. uh, We'll see quite how cheerful it is. Um, I've had a little look at it. It looks like it could be really dark as well. So... Um, yeah, I only really looked at this today, but I'm I'm maybe eighty percent of the way there already on backing this. So uh, um, it has slight sort of like horror movie vibes that that don't particularly speak to me as well. Right, whereas it's got for me, it's got the survival like run around, find guns. You know, it feels like we're playing Resident Evil almost. You know, right, right. That's exactly what I was thinking on, and I've always just been a bit meh about stuff like that. 
Yeah. So, um, and, sorry. That's and, okay. And given the scale of the game with lots of minis and stuff like that, it's not that expensive. And shipping wasn't right. too bad. And there's no VAT, which is good. So, And it's Awaken Realm. So you know the... You know the minis, the Sundrop minis the are going to be great. story of it, it's going to be absolutely chef kiss, brilliant. Um, there's also the Firefly 10th Anniversary Edition. That's on uh, Game Found at the moment, uh, as is... Oh, I, I spent some time looking at that. Okay. Sorry. I spent some time looking at that, and I, I it's great in, in so far as, you you know, what the the game is, fantastic, uh, well thought of game in, in the, the vein of a game that we enjoy, uh, Star Wars Outer Rim, right? Pick up and deliver. It's it's the the original one of those, or certainly one of the most high regarded, highly regarded. Um, but the campaign, I think, there's almost a bit too much to it, right? Is that it's it's you get the it's the big box edition effectively, and it's going to cost a fortune, and you can buy the base game for thirty quid, like the original. Yeah, still, it's not like it's a reprint or anything. So, I was, I was put off by that, really. Yep. 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 I think it's just the the whole, you know. I think Firefly, the show's got a, uh, um, it's got a good backing, you know, and and certainly, yeah. It's yeah. just an anniversary celebration, right? Yeah. Um, speaking You're saying of, Scarface, right? I was going to say, speaking of expansions, there's also the uh, the first expansion for Scarface 1920, which is bloody business. Yeah. Um, I was very close. I think we were both quite close to backing this one, Neil. Actually, weren't we in the original? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Geek and Son, they're also now taking pledges for their new Gwen table, uh, which we got to see at UKGE, just in case you want to upgrade, Tom. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, otherwise, the only news I've got from crowdfunding is that Bloodstones has gone into final production, so they're looking to complete mid-August, uh, and I'm assuming they'll be oh, a great. couple of months for shipping, so probably sort of Q4. But, yeah. Good news. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, certainly probably won't be uh, next episode, but we'll try and check in with crowdfunding every now and then uh, to have a little bit of an update. If there's something that you've seen um, that you are particularly interested in, uh, do be sure to have it head on over to our Discord um, and maybe chat about it there. We do have a room um, that's uh, that's designed specifically for crowdfunding. So be good to have a, a bit of a chinwag about it over there. <laughs> Alrighty, on to our six of the best segment, where we take a snapshot of the current board game geek top fifty in the hotness, uh, and then between us we draft a couple of games each to talk briefly about. Paul, do you want to kick us off with your first pick? Yeah, first pick for me is Castellans of Valeria. This is uh, by uh, Daily Magic Games. It's just finishing up on Kickstarter at the moment. Um, is a uh, area area majority game where uh, you are looking to control the the different parts of the city of uh, Kosk uh, to become its next Castellan. It looks very nice. It's a very attractive looking game. The board looks great. The components look very good quality. Uh, what I like about the Kickstarter as well is they've done this very much as there's no stretch goals seeing it more and more where they're the sort of completed game is kind of there ready to go for you although there's like a retailer uh, a retailer pledge where you can get a few copies apart from that i don't think they're making it overly available um but 
so as as the game goes on and you construct the city from your your player board, you'll be able to, like we've seen in other games where you're moving things off of your player board, you're then unlocking more abilities so you can hold more gold to spend or take some more actions and things like that. It looks like it's got some clever mechanics. Um, I'm I'm trying to take a step back from buying some games at the moment. I do have a few creeping in on the shelf of shame, so I like to try and keep that fairly uh, fairly well covered before we before I go uh, into more games. But but would might be one I'd be interested in the future. Excellent, mm. interesting. Tom, what was your first pick this week? My first was Star Trek Ascendancy, which is a game from 2016. Uh, and it's uh, the team that brought us the game we were talking about, Firefly the game, um, uh, Game Force 9 as well. Um, and this is a, a 4X in the Star Trek universe where, you know, exploring the galaxy and um, discovering planets and colonizing those potentially. And uh, there's a good degree of asymmetry in the different factions that you have. It's three player initially. You've got um, the... Um, Klingons, Romulans, and the um, Federation of Planets, United Federation of Planets, you know, Enterprise and all that. Um, but there are seven expansions to this, uh, so it's got a real following, this game, allowing you to to add m- many of the different um, factions from, from the Star Trek universe. That's an expression. I'm not completely sure why this was in the hotness. I couldn't quite figure it out. Maybe it's people just getting excited about the two expansions that came out last year. It did drop out of the hotness fairly quickly. That said, um, I actually didn't really know a lot about this or that it existed, and but I, um, I think it looks awesome. <laughs> and I've been really <laughs> close to buying this in the last forty-eight hours or so. Uh, it looks great, and as we've said many times, when you find a game that speaks to an old TV show or movie that you have some connection with, it instantly bumps it up a couple of notches for you. And, and as a kid, weeknights at 6 p.m. on BBC Two with Star Trek The Next Generation time. So uh, this really connects to me and that nostalgia and uh, several family members are on the same page, but really. Um, so anyway, Star Trek Ascendancy, and it's a game you can pick up for less than 60 quid, brand new. So first version, I've said it, it's, it's a three-player. And I think this is one that um, I could get... <coughs> Yeah, I think you guys would probably be interested in, in playing it. And, and I know my family would, would love it. So it's one that ugh, if, I, if I hadn't hadn't bought several ball games recently, I would be it would already be purchased, but it's currently sitting in the basket and I'm I'm resisting. Anyway, Star Trek Sensei. So oh, yeah. can I just say while you're <laughs> talking about this, I'm looking at it um on Amazon of, of all places with prime delivery and all of that stuff. But what I enjoy is yeah the about this item section so it says control a great civilization and then the sort of tag bit on that explore the star trek galaxy command starships you know you've always wanted to (laughs) i have always wanted to and you get little miniature starship enterprises as well little starship enterprises and klingon ships and all that kind of stuff and also and the sculpts are all really good so yeah all right what if you're gonna get this i'm gonna get this I'm going to get it. Maybe I'll just get past the next holiday first. Fine. Fine. All right. Well, my first pick this week was actually on top of the hotness when we drafted on the Sunday morning. And that's Mr. President, the American Presidency 2001 to 2020, uh, designed by Gene Billingsley and published by GMT, who we all love. 
Um, Gene Billingsley is one of the owners and founders of GMT, which is now in its 32nd year of business. Um, he was the lead designer on the next war games, if you've heard of those. Um, Mr. President is a solo only game about governing as president of the state, sitting on the chair, trying to advance your agenda and navigate ongoing crises, political enemies, public opinion, your relationships with Congress and the press, keeping the country secure in a world of rival nations and agendas uh, that just seems to keep blowing up around you. So um, this is a resource management game um, where you're never going to have enough resources to achieve your entire agenda. Um, and the path you take through uh, uh, this always kind of unpredictable storyline rests on the choices that you make. So um, it's built as a pretty hefty yet incredibly immersive experience. It's set to run one, uh, four to eight hours per four year term of your presidency. Um, so it's an absolute behemoth. Um, oh my god this this looks great this looks so good um it would be a great candidate for something to leave set up in the vault of your gaming table tom uh, and dip mm -hmm. out of uh if needed over the course of one glorious year yeah yeah um i'd say that this is probably quite self-excluding to your average gamer right it's like it's rated like a 4.2 as in 4.14 weight oh my god yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is chunky, but have you got it? Have you got pictures pulled up of it? Look at the board. Look at like yeah. look at what you're dealing with. Oh, it's massive. The board is huge. <laughs> it's obscene. Um, it's uh, it's yeah. It it would need to be cheap, I think, for me to give it a, a go. Um, which how uh, much is it at the moment? Uh, well, it's 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 not out yet, but I think it'll be around the standard GMT sort of sixty-five to eighty quid mark. Ooh. Um, but they always hold their value well to resale. So, and it's being this, released. This is niche, much. though, right? It is, is niche, but it's it's piqued my interest. I've already watched a couple of hours of videos of this. <laughs> um, and it is being released uh, in the UK uh, days either side of my birthday. So uh, it might be a, a present to me, uh, love from me. So uh, we'll see. If... Uh... I'll borrow it when you're done. It looks disgustingly complex, though. All right, excellent. Uh, Paul, what was your second choice? My second choice was Pyramidio uh, by from Synapsis Games. It, it's a, a domino tile laying game um, where they take the the domino. I'm going to say puns. They're not even puns. I'm going to have a little rant. The game itself looks good, but I'm going to have a little rant because the Pharaoh <laughs> Mino has passed um, and is uh, then going to his eldest son, who's going to take on the, the mantle of being Pharaoh. And his his son is Mido and, and other really laboured domino puns, which don't work. Yeah. But over the, the course of four rounds, you are laying brightly coloured tiles to build a little pyramid that's actually square-based, uh, sorry, rectangular-based, and because you're using dominoes, won't really look like a pyramid by the time you're finished. Um, but that aside, you can pick the game up for 25 quid. It looks like a fun little, you know, very lightweight, introduce your friends who aren't maybe board gamers to a bit of a more thinky puzzle type game um yeah it looks all right for 25 quid 
just don't really like all the domino puns. And they've gone with the the Egyptian pyramid theme, but actually, because you're using dominoes, I think it would lend itself more to like an Aztec style temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good thing you unmuted just to say yeah. <laughs> it was worth yeah. the wait. All right, excellent. Thanks for that, Paul. And Tom, your second pick. My second one is, is an interesting one. Um, it's called Challengers from last year. And one more time games and, and Z-Man games. A game of deck management and uh and capture the flag. It's it's for one to eight players. Um and I picked it because it sounded a bit interesting. But I, I kind of got into this. It's just I don't know, it's it's a bit mad this game, is that there's this round robin kind of head-to-head uh thing that you're doing where you let's say you have four players you'll be having two games of this concurrently. So 1v1, and then next to each other, another 1v1. You'll play, and whoever wins that match between you will get the points, and then you'll switch. So you're playing different players. You do it again, score points, and then whoever's got the most points from those will then face off in a final, if you like, and then whoever wins that is the winner. And if you've got eight players, obviously that... So it extrapolates out of the the the, the nature of um uh, of the uh, the game that you're gonna have. You actually you do more than that. You actually have seven rounds of it rather than just the two v two. But you play seven rounds of it, and then that you have that final round. Um, the game in the terms of that capture the flag element is a uh, a case of having a a deck of hands, deck of hands, deck of cards that you um can't choose which card you're going to play but you can manage what you've got in there you know chucking away crap cards and potentially drawing new ones and even throwing away your whole hand if it's rubbish and then you're going to draw a card out and try and basically one up in terms of the values on the cards your opponent um and then ultimately at the end of that game whoever's got the flag at the end of that that one-upmanship wins there are things that are it's called the card effects written on the on the cards say card effects like i just invented that term um there are card effects um that when you play a particular card will allow you to maybe look through your deck to see what's going to come out and shuffle it around you know all those kind of goodies that we've seen somewhere else um and so I think that's fine. I think there's sort of made potentially a little bit of a a, a luck based bit of which card actually comes out because you don't you you can't manage that. You just have your deck, you shuffle it, and then the cards that you draw, you draw. But you can manage the deck a little bit. Um, I watched the Rodney video on it and was quite impressed. Really, I don't love the artwork actually. I think that the the people who've created this, I think, were going for something that was very applicable to all, um, which is fine. You know, I'm fine, um, but it do, it it doesn't. You know, I think there maybe was something a bit more exciting they could have done with that artwork. Anyway, by the by, it's a really fascinating concept. It has been nominated for the Kanashbilda Yara Award this year, um, which is that uh, you know twiddle the mustache uh, connoisseurs' choice uh, 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 game award of the year, right? So. Um, I think for, for what they've done, really clever. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. Uh, so if that sounds interesting to you, have a, have a look. It's called Challengers. Yeah, it looks good on the table, right? I think maybe just for what it does, 
it would be really interesting to have a go. Just get yourself seven friends. Yeah. Excellent. Very good. So my uh, second pick is an oldie, uh, originally from 1995. This is Mystery of the Abbey. It's an old Days of Wonder classic, uh, which is now long out of print. Um, but it is getting a rebirth from Mojito Studios, uh, the Kickstarter of which... Um, so at the point of writing the uh, the notes on the podcast, I put will be coming shortly to Kickstarter. Uh, and then I got the email last night saying that, um, yeah, this is launched. So um, the uh, the campaign is now live. This is a game designed by Bruno Feduti and Serge Laguette, uh, in which three to six players engage in a Cluedo-esque deduction game um, to find out who murdered one of your fellow monks uh, in this sort of medieval French abbey. It's a fairly light-hearted game. Um, players aging uh, eight and up, so it'll be a good choice for the family. Um, I look forward to seeing how this is adapted and brought into the modern day. Uh, I'm assuming we won't be referring to the monks as the fat or the bold monk anymore. Um, but yeah, it's like a question asking, you know, it, it is very much like Cluedo, you know, you you kind of you go around deducing the information from each other, kind of ruling people out until you're ready to make your accusation and and and, and make you guess. But yeah, uh, I didn't actually look at the price, but but yeah, uh, if that sounds like anyone's cup of tea, um, then you can really really look forward to that. If you've got an old Days of Wonder copy sitting on eBay for 175 200 pounds, I'm sorry, but you're about to be in for a nasty surprise uh, because people are just going to buy the new one. Excellent. So that concludes our six of the best. We look forward to uh, catching back up with you in the next couple of weeks to see the movers and shakers uh, on the uh, the Board Game Geek hotness. Uh, do we also want to just spare a little moment for uh, for Heat Pedal to the Metal? I think making their way into the top 10 on BGG now. Uh, Are they? Mm, yeah, great. Been climbing, climbing away. That's yeah, it's another great, great example of listening to our opinions about stuff and what we said about that game the first time around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do we know? all right so on to our main topic uh, of the evening which is going to be all around movie franchises in board games so for our main session i want to take a look at some of our favorite movie franchises that have been turned into board games there's a lot of great movies out there uh, some of which have an obscene amount of various games which have been made under their ip now um, there's plenty of great board games which come from a movie but many of these are kind of one and done type affairs. Um, I was going to use Jaws as an example, but there are actually six different game entries on Board Game Geek for Jaws. Um, what I enjoyed most was seeing that there was one, um, oh, sorry, the most notable of which uh, is the 2019 Ravensburger release, which 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 I've got and I think we've all played. Um, but interestingly, I also found a 1975 spring-loading dexterity game uh, where basically think Buckaroo, but with a great white shark. Um, that looked hilarious. But anyway, uh, we digress. So my question to you chaps is this. What is your favourite movie IP that's been adapted into a board game? And of that IP, what is your favourite game? Let's head over to Tom first. So it, it's created a ridiculous number of board games, um, but I think it's got to be Lord of the Rings. For me. Is okay. the, I mentioned it already through War of the Ring. You know, it's just... When I was doing the prep for this, the amount of games that are based in some way around the Tolkien universe, whether it's Hobbit or I couldn't actually didn't think I saw a Silmarillion um, board game, but there's uh, <laughs> there's so many about the Lord of the Rings. Um, it's incredible. My own particular one, 
resisting the temptation to say some sort of uh, Sean Bean style one does not simply type quote uh, in there, but I think it's got to be from the you know from what I played, it's got to be uh, more of the ring. Excellent. I haven't I haven't played that many. Okay. There are many, many, many that I can reel off in a minute if that's what you would like. Yeah, I think we'll probably touch on that. Okay, so before we get too deep into each one, Paul, what's your favourite kind of movie IP that they've turned into a bunch of board games? So um, first off, going back to Tom, the Silmarillion board game would be really interesting because you would have one round just describing a tree for about three hours. (laughs) Um, Oh, a cynic. We've got a cynic here. Oh, um, so I was really torn. I mean, if you're looking at just general themes, it's either Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. And and there are so many hundreds of board games, right? But over the last year or so, I've absolutely loved playing Journeys in Middle-earth and hearing you two talk about War of the Ring. I can't wait to play that. Within the, the Star Wars universe, I mean, as you know, I love Star Wars Legion. Uh, Outer Rim, I think it's a fantastic game and is one we don't play enough. I think it's underratedly brilliant. And also, I'm so addicted to the Star Wars deck building game. I know that's like a few <laughs> games. And You're two, having two franchises. I'm having two franchises. I'm um, having my two. Not having played War of the Ring, I think I'm probably leaning more towards Star Wars just because I think there's more games I really love. But actually... In terms of the story and the universe, I, I love Lord of the Rings and I can't, especially I can't wait to play War of the Ring. Yeah. So, so for me, my, uh, yeah, I, I was, I was between Star Wars and maybe Dune for the top spot. Um, there's some really good Dune games, but there's also a couple of, I think they kind of really milked the, the Denny Villeneuve release. Um, and stuff like House Secrets, which was just Chronicles of Crime reskinned. Yeah, no Trail, kidding. Which was... Suddenly, suddenly got like June game, June game, June game, June yeah. game. And and we've we've kind of talked about this before on the podcast. I won't labour it. And if you if you like the expansions, then that's cool. You do you. But the expansions for June Imperium fell a bit flat with us as well. So, uh, but June twenty nineteen is an absolute belter and, and and without repeating myself too much, one that we must still play at some point when we've got six players. Yeah. But um, for me, yeah. my uh, favourite franchise that's been turned into a video game, I'm actually going to go with Aliens um, because there are some fantastic renditions. Um, I wanted to say okay. Star Wars. Like you say, we've, we've played so much Armada. I've just bought Shatterpoint. Um, I should have done some more research, but I wonder how many entries there were going there would be um, for Star Wars if you type that into BGG. So, um, without peeking, this is a little uh, pop quiz: highest rated Star Wars game on the BGG list. Anyone care to guess? Rebellion. Absolutely. In a ten second. Yeah. Uh, X Wing. What's that one you've got? I played it once. Uh, Imperial Assault. Imperial yep. Assault. Yep. Imperial Assault in second. X-Wing in third. Fourth? Mm, Armada, I would think. You'd be wrong. Outer Rim is, uh, is, is in fourth. Ah, okay. okay. Uh, then there's the 2012 Cup. Before. Sorry? Did you say Outer Rim then? It's Outer Rim. Um, yeah, then there's Armada, Destiny, Star Wars Epic Duel, Legion. Legion comes in at 1089th. Clearly no love for, uh, for miniatures games. 
Star Wars The Queen's Gambit, Star Wars The Deck Building Game. Star Wars The Queen's Gambit, is that... <laughs> Is that based on the uh, TV series? Because I didn't watch it, so... Uh... No, 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 like Queen Anne. It's like, it's like a... No, no, I, yeah. I'm aware of that. I was making a joke about the Queen's Gambit, um, oh, the TV sorry. series being a secret Star Wars film. No, it was really good. Wasted. <laughs> so, yeah, and then... and So, sorry, coming back to Aliens. So, so I think from the Aliens franchise, uh, it's got to be, for me, Nemesis, which is unofficial Aliens, but it is Aliens. Right, so this is. I was wondering where you were going to go with this. Is like, what is the favorite aliens game? <laughs> Can yeah. you have a favorite aliens game that isn't actually aliens? <laughs> I think so. But then there's also um, Legendary Encounters Aliens, which is also absolutely. Have you played that? Oh, yeah, once. Okay. Mm. The the thing is, right? Okay. You you would allow like fan fiction in stories and novellas and things like that. So would I? Would I? I would. <laughs> let's, not, let's not forget. Uh, uh, no, I can't remember what it was. So, of your favourite IP, then my next question was: Is there? And Paul, you've probably already answered this, but um, is there a game in that IP that you haven't played yet for whatever reason um, that you're really, really keen to get to the table soon? Uh, yeah, War of the Ring, because I live up north. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They don't have minis up north. I know they do. Tom, War of the Ring card game? Is that putting words in your mouth? Mm, yes. Mini's up north are called Whippets. <laughs> I was going to say Warwick Davis, but I don't think he's mini. <laughs> yeah, he's from the north, is he? Sorry, sorry, Warwick. I love you. So, yes, I'm intrigued by the card game, but I'm not sure I'll ever get around to playing it. Like, uh, I, just, I just don't know. We have, we having got the main game... Uh, I just don't, I don't know. They're so the one and there's others like the Battle of Five Armies, which is an extension of that. It was like pure out and out uh, minis battle game, I think. Um, but there's one that I, I very nearly purchased. It's 30 quid, a uh, a Rebensberger game called the the Adventure Book Game. Yeah. Uh, Lord of the Rings Adventure Book Game. Looks relatively straightforward and, and good looking and cheap. I'd just love to give that a go. It It looks really good, that. Excellent. I've got uh, so for the alien, um, the alien IP. We've talked about it a couple of times before, but I've not uh, got or played the fate of the Nostromo. I think that's meant to be mm. all right. Um, I think I saw that in Waterstones the other day, actually. Yeah, I think that's, that's a Ravensburger as well. I was, isn't it? I was just about to say, is it Ravensburger? We saw it at the con. I nearly, um, I nearly kind of tried to 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 to, to get town to sit and play it. Um, but a couple of people in the in the sort of the order shop group. Um, have got it so i'm sure we'll get it to the table at some point soon so you guys are both kind of into into lord of the rings i'm into aliens but i think it's fair to say that we're all into star wars uh so 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 for all of us uh you know any, anything in the star wars ip that that, that all of us to give it a go paul you first do you know i've never played any x-wing so i've played some armada with you yeah and i've played some at my local games club yeah Played a lot of Legion, and I've just not played any X-Wing. So I think that'd probably be mine. Tom, have you still got the starter set for that, or have you moved it on? No, it's gone. But you, you can pick it up pretty cheap. It's good fun. It's It didn't make any sense for me having it alongside Armada, but it um, it was great. You know, really, really quite quick um, and looked great on the table. Um, um, I think for my part, it'd be Star Wars Legion. I'm just, I'd love at some point to give that a go. Yeah, I'm hopefully not get addicted to it. 
I think that would be mine as well. Um, but I'm also the uh, the expansion for Outer Rim. Really, really keen to give that a go at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then for your own movie IP, uh, a game that perhaps didn't really uh, hit the spot for you, Tom, something from Lord of the Rings that you gave a go, but actually didn't really gel with that much. Well, I don't know. I mean, I haven't, I haven't tried that many. It is my favorite, but you know, tried journeys in middle earth and, uh, and so on. But I think it would probably be, um, I haven't played it, but I just know (laughs) it would be, uh, Lord of the Rings monopoly is that, it being one of those, I don't know if it's true. I've actually played a Star Wars Monopoly now, I think about it. Um, but yeah, Lord of the Rings Monopoly, it just doesn't, it's just pure, pure taking advantage of the IP. And it's just not going to be any, any any kind of fun, that. Yeah. You know, it's only a matter of time before they're doing Lord of the Rings Catan as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Paul? Um, there's nothing I've played that I haven't really enjoyed. Um I think I was a bit mediocre on Imperial Assault, but I've only played it once, and I don't think that's a fair. It that was where we were all learning how to play, and I think I don't. I don't think it's then fair to say I didn't enjoy it. I think I need to play it again. Does that yeah. make sense? Um, well, I'm having a look through. There's, as I say, there's nothing I've played. There's clearly a Monopoly one like Tom that I probably wouldn't want to. Um, they have done a love letter version at Jabba's Palace, which which again, I'm I'm a big fan of Love Letter, although I surprisingly suck at it. A game where you're randomly guessing for the first couple of goes. <laughs> I'm usually I like I, I really suck at Love Letter, but I like original Love Letter. I you know, I know there's the Batman one as well and and stuff like that, but I yeah, but no, there's nothing I've played where I'm like, no, I don't want to, don't want to play that again. Can anyone guess from the Alien franchise something that didn't really uh, hit the mark? Was it uh, the Alien game? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, another day, another glorious day in the core. That was just a complete miss for us, wasn't it? But just such a letdown that because it should and could have been fantastic, and there were really good, clever elements to it, but it, um, it just and didn't it hang just together impossible. very well. It was just mm. impossible. I mean, not that, not that um, Nemesis is a particularly. No, it's another difficult game, right? But yeah, why why would you play Alien when you could play Nemesis? Yep, absolutely. I've also got the uh, I've also got the the, the Alien Final Girl uh, feature film that I haven't got round to uh, to playing yet. Yeah. Great, I'll uh, I'll look forward to giving that a go very very soon. All right, and then were there any other movies that were notably turned into board games that, uh, that anyone wants to give a mention to? Well, we've all played TV shows, by the way, but okay. So, so we've all played, and I think on with mixed reception, uh, Jaws, which came up in the yeah. quiz. Mm. Um, I think they adapted it well. I think it was just a bit too quarterbacky. If you weren't the shark, yes, yes, probably. It, it, it's a game that I've. I enjoyed, but just um, we mentioned it before that just couldn't really play often enough. I think um, it worked well as a as a two player game, though. I think I, I agree. It does work well as a two player game. I think it works best as a three player with a good, you know, a, a good two um, yeah human players because. And I found this with mind management as well. Is that 
Um, part of the joy of that is being the shark and listening to the two people saying, oh, I wonder if he's on North Beach or if he's there, then he must be there. And and listening to yeah. the to the back and forth of trying to work out where the shark is. I think that when it's just two people playing a hidden movement game, it can very quickly descend into just sitting quietly on opposite sides of the table. Yeah. Personal preference, sure. but... Yeah, I've, uh, I've got yes, my copy of that back off of Ali now, so uh, we can give it another go soon if you fancy it. Yep, I'd, I'd definitely be up for that. I think there's others though, like you mentioned, June and, and Aliens. Um, you know, such good games uh, created, particularly around the the June. You know, June Imperium is just I haven't actually called it out yet. As, as I know, you did. I'm sorry. Um, June, really good. Uh, Aliens, yeah, I think that there's there are good games out there that we haven't played or I haven't played. Another one that I've always been quite intrigued by is uh, Jurassic Park. It's a film that um, had a big impact on me um, when I went to go and see it when I was about seven uh, and scared the living daylights out of me. Um, But there are some really, uh, I think, interesting games around that. And and if we talk about Nemesis as being the alien game that isn't aliens, there are games that are around Jurassic Park's general ip but they're not jurassic park you know lots of dino park type games which i've always been quite intrigued by there's some roll and rights on that as well yep uh, there's also cool. some jurassic park ip for uh unmatched series oh yeah that's true yeah um yep. which i'm really t- i'm really tempted to there's either one where you can have three velociraptors or uh, a giant t-rex that i'm very tempted by yeah there was a I saw it at the expo actually the the legacy of the Isle of of Nubular, Nubular yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which which would be very cool they, again nearly backed that one uh, at one stage on Game Founder when it was on it was very expensive so I didn't um, but I thought that looked cool I, I've not seen anything about that a legacy game that seemed to be about kind of building the park out I think so. Um, that looked pretty really cool. I think it was only the le- the legacy element of that that put me off. Otherwise, I would have been. Yeah, I'm 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 up for a good Jurassic Park game, right? Mm. Yeah, but I think those are the, those are the big ones for me in terms of movie IP. Anyway, the ones that we mentioned, but plus Jurassic Park. Yeah. What about a board game that you'd love to see turned into a movie? <laughs> we, we've said it before, but Twilight Imperium. Yeah. <sighs> so good. I think that would be it would be better as a TV show because it'd need you know seven seven series of twenty four (laughs) episodes. I can't wait till they get to the halfway stage and there's just a series of them debating in the Senate. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Do you think there's any problems around uh, you know IP? We talked a lot about what we like about it and things that are cool and it's exciting and we've said it so many times. I said it myself actually on this podcast, haven't I? About um, being engaged by something that uh, relates to some other piece of media that you've enjoyed. But if you look at Star Wars, for example, we're big fans of, of Star Wars. It does always feel like the game is more expensive if it's got Star Wars on the name. Yeah. 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 It's like booking a uh, booking a venue for anything that's got the word wedding in, right? Like, can I book this room for a party? Yes, let me get your price list. Yeah, it's for yeah. a wedding. Oh, you mean the wedding price list? <laughs> let me just get the Star Wars pricing out for you. Yeah. So I think I think there's problems there, and also I think it. I don't know. I can't sort of apart from like the monopoly and the risks of this world. 
Um, I can't hugely think of lots of examples of this, but I think it could be really open to making a game that's not that great and sticking the uh, the, the, the title on it, be it Star Wars or whatever else. You know, the, go back to Lord of the Rings. There were 20, 40, whatever versions of, of different um, Lord of the Rings games that I've no idea the quality of them that I think it possibly also could suffer, I think, of just attracting people in because it's got got the name on it, right? And that probably, as you said, actually the better example would be the Dune uh, examples that you gave that attracting on the huge attention from the Denis Villeneuve films that they just put Timothée Chalamet's face on the front of of those boxes and they knew they were going to sell, even though the game was not really up to scratch. Yeah. Yeah, there was you know four what, of those with release, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what would make a really good film slash TV series? Is what we've played tonight, is Root, right? Because you either go down the cartoony route and you have like Jack Black voicing the vagabond. <laughs> and you have, um, what's the little guy that always stars with The Rock? Kevin Hart. Yeah, you have you have Kevin Hart in there doing some of the voices of the moles. And, and yeah. stuff like that. And Charles, I think Charles it, Dance is the eerie. <laughs> <laughs> or you go down like we've got into turmoil oh. again. <laughs> a slightly gritty anime, you know, like 15 plus gory route would be a brilliant film. <laughs> if we're doing that, can we have big nasty as the cats? <laughs> uh okay, right. Side topic then. So you've got Big Nasty as the Cats. You've got Charles Dance as the Eerie. You've got Jack Black as the Vagabond. Um, who else are we missing? Woodland Alliance. Woodland Alliance. Uh, I don't know. The Voices of Little Mix. Um, <laughs> the Lizard Colt. Get Noel Fielding to do that, maybe? Oh, yeah. He would be. Br- I was going down the other way. I was going down. Um, who was Riddick? Vin Diesel. Yeah, him. My brain's fried tonight, so I apologise. Yeah, Vin and, then, D- and then you've got the COVID conspiracy, which are like, which are like basically mobsters. So you've got like a Paul Giamatti doing that or something, maybe. Steve Buscemi. Steve yeah. Buscemi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Right. Yeah, no, right. yeah Root. Root would be amazing, wouldn't it? Come on. Definitely. No? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Particularly with those voice voice acting skills. All right. I think that's enough of that. We'll leave that there. But again, uh, get involved in the conversation over on Discord if you've got a favourite movie franchise that um, you enjoy playing with your board games uh, or you have a suggestion for a board game that you'd like to see uh, made into a movie, then uh, then do let us know over on the Discord. Um, Over on the Discord? On the Discord. (laughs) Oh, I was looking at Discord on the shelf, wasn't I? (laughs) Over on the Discord. So that brings us to the end of our 26th happy birthday anniversary episode. Do feel free to join in the conversation. You can find details of all of our socials over on our webpage at www.imhavingmyone.com. Feel free to join in the discussion on the Discord. Uh, And thank you very much for listening to our 26th and one year birthday anniversary episode. Uh, We've been I'm Having My One and we hope you have yours too. Until next time. I'm having my one. Happy birthday to you.